It's Bad History! Hey everyone, welcome back to a brand new episode of Bad History. Bad History! My name is Steven, and I am joined, as always, by my best friend, my esteemed colleague, and my master of ceremonies, Dave. What's up, man? What's going on, dude? Not too much. This is episode 30 of Bad History. I cannot believe it. 30 episodes of this. I don't want to believe it. Of this pile of audio that we slapped together with duct tape. And we, we call it a show. I don't call you don't, it that. You don't want to believe it? I don't want to believe it. <laughs> How many hours of my life? How many? Well, let's, let's, let's do some quick math. This is quick math segment of Bad History. A lot. <laughs> uh, it takes about an, an hour and a half to record. Then two hours to edit. And then, like, two hours to do research? Probably more than that. Something me. like that. So it's like three and a half, five, about about five and a half hours per episode. I don't want to think about that. So times thirty. Oh man, that's a lot of hours, huh? I've done this more than <laughs> I've played like Skyrim, which is bad. It's not more than I played Skyrim. No, I know that. <laughs> I, I know that's right. <laughs> Actually, no, that's that's it's, that's not true. <laughs> um, so this is episode thirty, and this week. Is a very special episode. I mean, every episode's special if you think about it. This week, we are returning to an old topic that we covered uh, a while ago. Dave, you ready? You got your popcorn? Oh, I got my popcorn. You got your fucking large Coke with no ice because they give you 90% ice and 10% Coke? Got my large Coke, no ice. You got your snow caps? Dude, I... I'm Which? so glad you fucking said snowcaps for some reason. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Because, listen, there you cannot buy snowcaps at any other anywhere establishment. Snowcaps snow are solely sold in movie theaters. And I always get them. I don't know why. Fucking snowcaps. <laughs> anyway. You get one of those fucking things stuck in your tooth. One of the little balls. Little oh beads. My God. Little shitty sprinkles. Oh, yeah. Dude. <laughs> I'm about to go get some right now. I'll go to the movie theater and not buy a ticket. I don't need a ticket. I just want some fucking snow caps. Your snow cap <laughs> monopoly is really chapping my ass. As you can surely guess, we are going back to the movies. Dave and I have each picked a history-centric movie, and we are going to be talking about it today. Talking about what's right with it, mostly what's wrong with it, because most, most movies don't get it right, honestly. They don't. They're not... I mean, at least in my experience, I don't know. What about like, have you have you found a movie that's really kind of got the nail right on the head? So it's it's really weird because like for dialogue and stuff, of course you gotta like come up with shit, right? No, sure. You know, nobody was like following around. Nobody had like pocket stenographers on them back in the day like we do now. But like, what's crazy is a lot of plot and shit has changed to make them more interesting, but history is hella interesting on its own. So I don't know right. why that shit's done. A few movies that do it all right. Um, did you ever see the director's cut of Kingdom of Heaven? Uh, That's like the two and a half, three hour one, right? That's like the three hour one, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I have seen it. I've seen the original one as well. Both of them are, both of them are very good. I'm going to go ahead and say... That if you haven't seen either of them, 
don't ever see the non-director's cut. It's garbage. Right. So trust yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. That, that's one of those situations where, like, the director's cut was just too long for, like, the movie studio. And, like, that movie's really, really strong in its uh, historical accuracies. It does a really good job portraying both sides um, as, like, you know, how they're, they're true. And, and it's mm-hmm. about it's about the Crusades, and it's really interesting because this came out in, like, post-9-11. Right. And it, it didn't portray the, like, you know, Muslims... Uh, especially Salahuddin as like you know every other post 9-11 movie did right <laughs> they were right, they were right, actually sure. like super honorable and shit like that well and, and what's yeah and what's interesting is Saladin is like he he I mean historically he's a really interesting character because he he wasn't this you know evil bad dude that some, he's portrayed sometimes he was like actually like he was someone who he was someone who cared about his people, and he was like a really great. Yeah, he's like a hero. He's like yeah, a true yeah. hero. He, I mean, he was someone who cared about his people, and he, I mean, the the Crusaders themselves were kind of the ones that were in, infringing on on them, and especially like if you look at him compared to Richard Richard the First, which who who he was like his you know his his rival, I guess. Um, was that Richard the First? Yeah, Richard the Lionheart. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, if you, if you if you compare the two together, they're very interesting because uh, they're both seen as almost heroic, and that's a lot. To, with Richard, at least, it's a lot to do with the fact that he's killed on his way home from Crusade. So when that happens, you get a reputation, obviously, that's usually positive because you don't really have time to fuck up. Uh, but but it's really really it's it's a very interesting to look at both of them together. So I think that's like a pretty excellent movie, both in terms as a movie and as like a historical movie. Right. Um, I think I kind of in my mind I know there's a lot wrong with that movie. Don't get me wrong, but like in terms of what we find wrong with historical movies, I think Kingdom of Heaven is, is pretty solid all around. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we're not talking about Kingdom of Heaven this week. We're talking no, about, we're not. We're talking about other things. So yes. why don't we just jump into it? Let's just jump right in. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, let's play that music, dude. Play that music, man. <laughs> okay, Steven. All right, Dave. So the movie I chose this week is the film Elizabeth. Uh, it's about, of course, Elizabeth I of England. It came out in 1998. It was directed by Shekhar Kapoor, who is known for uh, The Four Feathers, The Bandit Queen, New York, I Love You, and uh, also Elizabeth the Golden Age. Uh, it was written by Michael Hurst, though, which is really important. Because Michael Hurst, this is sort of his his jam, sort of historical dramas. He's also well-known for writing the... Um, television series the tutors i don't know if you've heard of that um it's pretty popular and then he's currently a writer for vikings which is this um history channel docudrama about vikings um so this movie uh if you've never heard of elizabeth it's pretty popular and it's like really critically acclaimed it was nominated for seven academy awards including best picture uh when it came out and it actually only won for one of them, and that was Best Makeup. But that was like a that was a rough year uh, for this movie to come out. But it was super praised above all else 
for Kate uh, Blanchett in her portrayal of Elizabeth I, and she was actually nominated for Best Actress um, and won the Golden Globe for it. So this is this is like a really a really well liked movie by most critics and fans. It's on Netflix. Check it out. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and preface this, and Stephen too. Um, this is like all spoilers for these movies. We're yeah, gonna kind of yeah, yeah. we're gonna kind of assume that you at least know the history or know the movie in some regard. So if you haven't seen these movies, real quick, I'm doing Elizabeth. Stephen, which one are you doing? I am doing the movie Ironclad, and I'm, I'm gonna th- I'll talk a little bit, but I'll do a little preface before mine as well because mine's a little lesser known than yours. Yeah, I've actually never seen that, so. I'm probably going to have it ruined for me. But if you've never seen those movies and you want to see them without it being ruined for you, go do that now. Um, moving on. So the plot of Elizabeth is the the movie focuses on Queen Elizabeth I of England and her rise to power in the wake of Mary Tudor, her sister's death. And the dramatic shift from Anglican to Catholic and then back to Anglican again uh, as a sort of state religion in England and the consequences of that and it's a really good movie I really like this movie Um, just some shit about the movie Uh, the actor Jeffrey Rush who is uh, really well known for Pirates of the Caribbean and a bunch of other stuff he's awesome dude he plays Sir Francis Walsingham in this movie Mm -hmm. and he is maybe the most badass character in movie history like his portrayal of of sir francis walsingham i'll get into that but the entire time i watched this movie because i rewatched it again for this i was just like you know when you're like awesome cringing when something's so cool you just like go like yeah 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 every time he's on screen that shit fucking happened to me he that is the most badass character in movie history go fucking watch that he steals the show it's called elizabeth but you're like oh that fucking guy was so fucking cool um alongside that the uh ensemble cast is really amazing and has some really strong performances in it by uh like really well-known actors and a few up-and-comers that were in this um christopher eccleston who is or eccleston i guess who is famous for playing doctor who he's also in films like 28 days later and he's in a bunch of stuff he's a british actor um, he plays the treacherous Duke of Norfolk. Joseph finds Rafe's little little bro, whose career mm-hmm. kind of died at some point. He was he was in some really good movies though. He was an Enemy at the Gates, another really good historical movie. He also was in Shakespeare in Love, which is kind yeah. of really similar to this movie. Actually, I'll get into that later. Uh, he plays Robert Dudley. Um, Joseph Fiennes also played fucking uh, Martin Luther. In, yeah, he did <laughs> in the movie Luther. That movie is really fucking good too. There's this what? one scene in it though where he's like test questioning his faith. Oh yeah, and he's, and he's <laughs> yeah he's like hallucinating or something. Yeah. Oh, it's funny, dude. Whatever happened to Joseph Fiennes? Real quick, Joseph uh, Fiennes me... was really solid, and then he just dude stopped. The Fine Brothers, man, they're good. The Fine Bros, you know their react to videos. <laughs> Anyway, uh, moving on. Also, Richard Attenborough. So, Dr. Hammond from fucking Jurassic Park is in this. And he plays Sir William Cecil. And he's amazing. And I love Richard and his brother, David. They're fucking awesome. And also, um, two younger up-and-comers. Vincent Cassell, who's famous for his work in, like, Ocean's 12. 
and Eastern Promises. He always plays that French dude. Uh, well, he plays that French dude. He plays the Duke d'Anjou in uh, this movie. And a very young Daniel Craig plays the assassin John Ballard. This was like very early Daniel Craig. So that was really cool to see. So the cast is amazing. The writing's pretty good. It's a solid fucking movie. It's probably like an 8 out of 10 movie, which is really... Like, you know, that's there's no such thing as a 10 out of 10 movie. So go check out yeah. Elizabeth. I love that movie. Moving on <laughs> to what's not so great about the movie. <laughs> so as, as far as historical inaccuracies go, Elizabeth has a sequel. It's called The Golden Age. And it's way worse. Uh, yeah, that, that shit's real bad, apparently. In terms, I haven't seen it. In terms of historical inaccuracies. But also, it's just like a way worse movie. And it doesn't really make sense, because Elizabeth the Golden Age takes place during the Spanish Armada, which is, like, way more interesting shit. But that movie's not good. But the first Elizabeth is really solid. So, I don't know what's up with that. Same writer, same director, I think. Um, pretty much same group of people. But, uh, yeah, there are still some blatant historical inaccuracies in the first Elizabeth. And I want to talk about those first. So, first and foremost, uh, character-wise, there's a few really bad ones. So, the Duke of Norfolk, and uh, I, I mentioned he's played by Christopher Eccleston. Um, so, the Duke of Norfolk in the film is the central antagonist who's plotting the assassination of Elizabeth and the re-Catholicizing of England. He's really instrumental in the film during the final years of Mary's rule, and especially in the beginning of Elizabeth gaining power, he's sort of, like, in charge of all the other nobles, and he has all this power and all this, like, clout behind him. Uh, and he also has political connections to France and Spain. Um, France and Spain, of course, being hella Catholic at this time, and they hated Elizabeth. And the rulers really use the Duke of Norfolk as a conduit to remove Elizabeth from the throne. Uh, in reality, uh, however, the Duke of Norfolk was not important at all in English politics until much, much, much later in Elizabeth's reign. Um, he was an upstart at the time of Elizabeth's coronation, and his political ties were much less grandiose. In fact, the Duke of Norfolk uh, wasn't even, like, really Catholic in real life. He was uh, trained as a Protestant and raised as a protestant growing up but in the movie he's seen as this kind of like uh black and white you know torture burn all the protestants and, and do whatever he can to get elizabeth off the throne um however he was involved in the famous Rodolfi plot uh now this was a plan uh conducted by philip of spain philip ii the good old uh, to put Mary, Queen of Scots, who was a relative of Elizabeth's, a Catholic uh, relative of Elizabeth's, on the throne. Now, the plot was that Norfolk was supposed to wed Mary, as he was uh, Elizabeth's cousin, so together they would have really strong ties to the throne. And it also involved uh, helping rebellion in the north to get Elizabeth uh, thrown off the throne. And thrown off the throne. And <laughs> Thrown off the throne, dude. Uh, thrown off the throne and uh, assassinated. Um, for this, he was convicted of treason. And uh, he was executed, as in the movie, as in real life. But he's really not as powerful in real life. He doesn't have as much 
standing in the story. They just needed, you know, someone in the plot of the movie to fill in the homegrown bad guy. And they chose him. And I, I understand why. Because he was actually involved in, in treason plots. Uh, so you can't really fault them for that. Now, another character, which is totally misrepresented in the film uh, to a sort of, like, embarrassing way, is the character of Robert Dudley. Now, this is Joseph Fine's character. And in the film, he's the central love interest to Elizabeth. Um, and as you guys know, at this time, Elizabeth is known as the Virgin Queen. Um, her marriage is kind of being used as a political weapon. You know, she could form alliances with anyone and everyone's trying to trying to get wit dat and um robert dudley is the one that she is getting wit um in the movie they'd been close to each other since before she's queen and in the film dudley is secretly married and cannot be of marital interest to the queen and, and this is a major plot point as it's revealed and really tears elizabeth apart because you know he can't have two wives he can't have her as a wife um and because he can't have her as a wife dudley actually joins norfolk's treason plot to have elizabeth assassinated and overthrown because of love and a broken heart or some bullshit right um he is the ultimate douche in the movie <laughs> uh and he's not executed at the end with the rest but forced to like remain alive and in court so he can see Elizabeth be badass and rule without him. And it's, like, kind of the main uh, plot, actually. So, like, the main source of conflict um, for Elizabeth is her her love relationship with Dudley and how it kind of goes wrong. And, and he kind of, in the movie, helps with the plan to get Elizabeth killed. In actuality... Uh, Robert Dudley and the Queen were not romantically involved until much later in her rule. Uh, she knew of his previous marriage to Latisse Devereux, the Countess of Ex or Essex, uh, because she fucking attended the wedding. D- Dudley, I'll do it. Yeah, that'll. Yeah, uh, maybe he is married because I'm watching him get married. Um, Robert Dudley was never involved in the Rodolfi plot and actually revealed the plot to Elizabeth. Um, it is actually believed he was an instrumental spy against Norfolk for Elizabeth. Um, Dudley and the Queen were super close best friends until his death. He even commanded the land army during the Spanish Armada invasion. Also, uh, it's been speculated that Dudley and the Queen were probably fucking, like, well into her reign. Um, but, you know, everybody has a story about how they fucked Queen Elizabeth. Um, right, sure. Uh, it, it's actually rumored, though, that her last words on her deathbed were she whispered his name. Um, Aww. And it's that's kind of unfounded because she died of, like, a throat thing, so her throat was, yeah. like, sealed shut. <laughs> Real fucked up. Yeah, but you know how everyone likes to feel better about, like, Napoleon whispering Josephine's name when he dies. And right, Elizabeth sure. whispering Robert Dudley's name when he dies. So he's actually, like, a hellid homie. He's the homie in the story of Elizabeth. And the movie portrays him as like a skis ball asshole trying to get her murdered and that's totally not true at all um there's a bunch of other little character things that i'll talk about in the end but the last big one um it's really sad for me to say this but it's sir francis walsingham so 
in the film, Walsingham is portrayed as this wild, run-amuck psychopath who works in the shadows, just violently killing Elizabeth's distractors. Like, you'll be sitting at home having coffee, and you're like, man, that Elizabeth's not so great. And then, like, a knife would just appear in your back, and he'd be there, and then he'd drink your coffee or whatever, and then he'd laugh and disappear. He's, like, straight-up Dracula in this movie. In the movie, he personally kills a dude he just had sex with in his opening scene. So, oh, he killed a... He, he, wait, he, he, I don't remember this. So in his opening scene, he it's like very heavily implied that they just finished fucking, and the guy pulls a knife on him as he's talking, and he convinces the guy not to do it because he's so smooth, and then cuts the dude's throat. So cool. It's nice. so badass. You nice. need to rewatch this movie just for his scenes because he's so cool. Um, he's portrayed as this wheeling and dealing sexual powerhouse who's courting both sides while secretly being in Elizabeth's camp. Uh, there's one scene where he's having dinner with um, the French lady whose name I forgot. Wait, is this wait is this 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 like ball of sexual energy Barbosa? Yeah, nice. Yeah, so um, it's Mary of Geese who's like this warrior french woman lady who is trying to get she's involved in the plot to get elizabeth taken care of and he has dinner with her and he's like yeah uh fuck yeah and then he doesn't and then he like kills them all and shit um so he's straight up dracula he is walking around he's like bearded he's like attractive he's so badass steven that's awesome everybody listening Go watch this movie, please. Because I've seen this movie like three times and I forgot how fucking cool this character is. It is the coolest character in film. He's so badass. Um, and sadly, though, in reality, uh, Walsingham was just like Elizabeth's secretary, pretty much. He was like her right-hand man. Um, even though he did do some really cool shit, he was known to be her unofficial spy master. But his escamades are seriously exaggerated in the film. He most likely never personally killed anyone because he had like Aww. people do that shit for him. He was right. also a devout Christian and a devout husband who wasn't sexually precocious at all. Um, however, he was involved in several accounts of torture, which he did a lot. So, like, <laughs> he would find these Catholic plotters and torture them and they would talk and he would kill them or like have them killed whatever um so he was still pretty badass but he's not as badass as the movie portrays and that is such a shame so like uh character wise there's a few other things um if you haven't seen the movie there's the famous uh french courtier the duke of anjou duke d'anjou uh he's played by vincent cassell and it's duke d'anjou d'anjou he's uh d'anjou duke d'anjou He's portrayed as a cross-dressing kind of numbskull in the film. And um, that's like a big revelation. She's like actually like considering marrying him and then finds out that he likes dressing up in women's clothes and whatever and turns him down. But in reality, um, that guy wasn't even there. That guy wasn't even courting uh, Elizabeth. It was his brother, uh, Francis, Duke of Alençon, who is not a cross-dresser and he was actually like five like so close five seconds away from actually getting the queen to marry him he's actually kind of a good guy in history 
so along with that that's kind of most of the character stuff uh in terms of just like filmmaking shit a lot of people have remarked that uh the movie as a uh, elizabethan setting doesn't really do a very good job uh so most of the sets and stuff like that uh depict in england much earlier probably 12th to 13th century uh, mm-hmm. This place takes place in the in the 16th century. Um, at this point, the Tudor monarchs were living in very like beautiful, well built palaces, uh, such as Whitehall and uh, Hampton Court. And the movie kind of has them in these like Hamlet esque stone kind of dark, dreary castles, you know. And um, apparently, uh, a, as a, a juxtaposition to this film. Uh, I mentioned earlier Shakespeare in Love, uh, which also stars Joseph Fiennes, uh, is like super. It's like a lot of people don't like that movie, but it does a really good job of portraying what the castles would look like. Uh, however, on the other hand, this movie was super well praised for its makeup and costume design, which are apparently fucking like spot fucking on for nice. what British nobility would be wearing at the time. Uh,. As, as far as the big scene where Elizabeth cuts her hair off and paints herself white to appear like a virgin, that never happened. Elizabeth was very well known to be, like, a fashionista. Oh, God, I said that word. <laughs> and, and, like, she was, like, super trend-setting and super on top of it, which she's sort of portrayed in the earlier parts of the movie as being. Um, but, like, to a, a degree that they can't even approach. Uh, but... Apart from that, all, like, the clothes and the technology and the art style is fucking, like, spot on. So, very good shit for that. Um, and then there are just a few little instances that I probably won't talk about. There's an assassination attempt that doesn't happen uh, that takes place in the movie. Uh, a couple killings that don't actually happen. Some ages are wrong. One of the characters played by um, Richard Attenborough is actually, like... 40 years younger than he appears in the movie. Um, and those are just shits that they kind of had to do to, to like flesh the sure. movie out and the characters out. But overall, um, in terms of like a tone and plot and story, aside from those things, Elizabeth, and, and I said a lot, I understand that, but you got to understand that movies do history poorly. And when they do right. succeed in small aspects, it's really, it's really praised and on that end I'd, I'd put elizabeth if we were going to have a good and bad category for how well movies do history um i would put elizabeth in the good category i think that cool. uh if i were to make like a list of 10 historical movies that i wanted people to watch i'd put elizabeth at the end of that list definitely it's a really great cool. movie right and on, it does yeah. it does things super well so go check that shit out yeah, it's a it very all. good movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a good fucking movie. No, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it's worth seeing. Like, uh, I, I, the thing with history movies like this is that the plot is kind of less irrelevant. Yeah, or less re- less relevant, I guess, uh, because it's more world building. Right. Exactly. And like the the you, you can focus more on the acting and the uh, the the scenery and things like that. I think. Yeah, and when you when you do that shit well you fucking you know you deserve a little bit of praise because like the plot is the plot history is the plot and you have to work around that to make it a compelling story i understand that 
Um, and, and that's, you know, that's pretty much what history was in the beginning. What do you think Herodotus was? You know what I mean? It's the events with a little bit of flair or whatever. Um, <laughs> so... Um, Throw some flair on that shit. Yeah, for real. So that's a good movie. Go check that shit out. Yeah, man, that 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 was great. Good scrolls, dude. That that's uh, that was a really good overview of the movie. I think. I mean, it, it's it's tough because that movie is very good. So it's you, you know, it's it's you kind of got to say like this is a good movie, but there's some shit that they just don't do. Yeah, well. there's some shit, but yeah. it's still a really solid movie. Okay, Stephen. I'm ready to hear your movie shit. So why don't we? I don't know what to say. It's not your story. I don't know what to say either, dude. It's all a story. I don't know. Just play the fucking music. Let's play the music. <laughs> all right, dude. So the movie that I picked to talk about this week is a movie that I watched uh, a few years ago. For my senior seminar class, it was Middle Ages in the Movies. And oh, nice. so That's an e- awesome each week, fucking... Oh, it was great. And it was with my favorite professor from USC. Aww. So it was like, it was awesome. And so, but this is one of the movies that we watch. And the movie is called Ironclad. And so I had never, ever heard of this movie before I had to watch it. Dave, you said you've never heard of this movie before. No, fucking Paul Giamatti's in it. <laughs> yeah what fucking, the fuck so this movie came out in 2011 it stars in it uh james purifoy who it's one of those guys where you see his face and you're like i know that guy from somewhere uh it's got brian cox dude brian mara is in this paul, G- paul giamani uh jason fleming it's got charlie charles dance Tywin Lannister is in this movie. Dude, fuck yeah. Yeah. Great cast. Not great movie. Unfortunately. Oh, no. I, I, I want to say, say this. Um, first of all, I'm sure a lot of people have never heard of this movie before. No. I am going to give a quick synopsis, synopsis of it because people haven't heard of this movie before. So if you don't want it to be spoiled for you, um, might want to skip ahead past the synopsis, I guess. But honestly... This is a movie where you kind of know what's going to happen before the movie, like, before the movie even gets into it. Uh, Real quick, do you know there's a sequel? There is a sequel, and it's got, uh, Catelyn, it's got Stark's Ka- Catelyn Stark in it. <laughs> fucking least favorite character in Game of Thrones, replacing, like, one of my favorite, Tywin Lannister. So this movie, like I said, it's not a great movie, but it's incredibly entertaining. Uh... Like, I, I, I had a really good time watching this again, and I didn't think I was going to because I knew what happened and all that, but, like, I really did have a good time watching this again, but historically, it's pretty inaccurate. There are some things that are going to make you go, like, really, really, but, like, in terms of, that, I mean, it's got a, a great cast, so the acting is pretty well done, the script's decent, I mean, it's a really entertaining movie, so I think it's worth watching. Okay. But pretty much, this is the, this is a quick rundown of the movie, so you have this guy named Thomas Marshall and he is a Templar he is part of the Knights Templar and I'll talk about them a little bit Um, 
And this this takes place directly after the Magna Carta is signed. And the Magna Carta was this this agreement, pretty much. And I'm sure most people know, but this will give a run through. The Magna Carta is this agreement that the that's the uh, the important barons of England make King John sign that pretty much says, "Hey, the people are going to have a say in the decisions that are made in government." And directly after that happens, a war breaks out between the barons and King John. And eventually, the barons get uh, a, the, fr- a, the French Prince Louis to come and take the fr- throne of England. And he actually has ties to the throne of, a- throne of England. So it's semi-legitimate, and he's seen as a better alternative to King John. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so the, the Knights Templars, according to the movie, and I'll talk about this too, according to the movie, the Knights Templars fought along with the rebel barons. And so directly after the Magna Carta is signed... The, the movie picks up and this guy Thomas Marshall is wandering through England trying to get somewhere that they don't really talk about. I think they're trying to get to London uh, with two other of his brother Knight Templars and a priest. And it's storming rain and they get to this castle and they let him in and the guy in the castle is not have, happy to have him there because he's like, oh, you fought against King John and all this stuff. Anyway... King John, we cut to, is getting a army of mercenaries to come take back England and kill the barons that made him sign the Magna Carta, right? Um, right. And King John is played by Paul Giamatti. Fuck yes. He, he, yeah, he plays a great King John. Anyway, uh, King John marches on this castle that the Templars are in, and they get in there, and he, he's going he's gonna to hang this baron of the castle who signed the Magna Carta and the priest steps in and is like, Hey, don't do that. And, uh, and the, 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 the King's all pissed. And he's like, he grabs the priest and he's, he starts cutting out his tongue. He gets the, his army to start cutting out the priest's tongue. And so the Templars rush down and start beating the shit out of people. And the, uh, the, the, our, our main character, Thomas Marshall grabs the priest throws him on the back of the horse and gets out of there and his other two Templar brothers are killed. He makes his way back to London where he's told by Archbishop Tywin, Archbishop Lincoln, uh, that, hey, go seek revenge for the priest that was killed. And so he meets up with uh, with this baron played by Brian Cox. And they're pretty... Brian Cox is like, hey, uh, we I want to stop king john too uh we gotta go to this uh this strategic castle that's gonna cut him off from his supply lines and the castle is rochester so brian cox is pretty much like hey let's get a crew together let's go to the castle we'll hold the castle and wait for the french to come save us pretty much and so uh they do the kind of montage-esque uh, scenes where they get all their crew together and the crew's all got like specific quirks that makes them unique and uh, and so they get to this castle and there's some Danes that are already setting up in the castle they kill the Danes and the the guy that's in the castle really doesn't want him there but he's like the the, the uh, Brian Cox is kind of like hey we're gonna be here uh, you know King John's gonna come kill us all so <laughs> you know you don't really have a choice in the matter so they hold down Rochester Castle. King John shows up. They try to uh, siege the castle. They they fail twice, and they decide to kind of try to starve him out. 
that doesn't really work and they try to siege the castle again this time they do make it inside you have some of the characters get killed off and the the main character thomas mallory and some other characters including kate mara who's this weird love interest i'll get into that a little bit um and uh and you have brian cox the the baron's uh, squire guy and a few other people go and hold up in the keep wait so is this an action movie yeah it's an action movie oh super gory bloody action movie it's great the, uh, there's this one scene with thomas mallory he has this huge broadsword and he takes it and he literally like splits a guy in half nice uh yeah it's pretty great the the effects are like really good actually like they're they use practical uh like model effects so it's not cgi at all yeah it's really good so they get held up in this keep they find a way uh and i don't want to spoil it because like they they do some historically accurate stuff to get into the keep it's pretty cool and they get into the keep uh at the end the only three people that survive are thomas mallory the baron's squire guy and kate mara and just as hope seems lost the french show up and save the day fuck yeah and king King john runs away and he dies of dysentery and that's kind of the end of the movie there you go (laughs) yeah yeah uh that's like a super short brief synopsis but i kind of want to get into a little bit of first i want to talk I guess about what this movie gets right because I think it does get some stuff right. Uh, first of all, the guy who wrote the script, who is also the, the director, and his name I've never heard of him before, Jonathan English. You could tell that he knew his 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 history going in because it's really interesting some of the themes he sets up and some of the just, just some of the way he portrays things. I think especially um, the, the 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 testing of fa- of faith. By uh, of Thomas Mallory, the Templar, Kate Mara. The only really purpose she serves is this uh, attractive prince or queen who tests the, or not queen, but attractive noblewoman who tests the the, the faith of Thomas Mallory, and uh, they end up sleeping together, and it's this whole thing. Nice. But the testing of faith is this really common theme in medieval literature, uh, so it's interesting that he includes that, and that's like I, I I kind of appreciate that he does because it shows that like he gets it. Um, there's also a lot of little 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 lines and little details that are thrown in that if you know your medieval history, it's 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 really cool. Uh, it's stuff that you wouldn't pick up on unless you kind of knew your history. Uh, the way that they they portray the sieging of towns is pretty historically accurate for the most part. Um, the starving the town out, the siege weapons that they use, things like that, are pretty interesting. Um, so there are some minor things, but some things that the movie gets wrong before I get into like the, the specific things overall, it's kind of a pop up, a, uh, a popular view of how the middle ages we think looked. And when I say popular view, I mean view of people who really don't know the history of it. So <laughs> there's like this, there's like this scene where they roll up into the, uh, into Rochester castle. On their horses. <laughs> they roll up into Rochester castle and they walk into the, like the dining area of the Lord of Rochester castle. And like the, the, the chick that's like serving the Lord is like, just like kind of covered in dirt. And it's yes. like, it's like, nah, like everyone was like dirty and gross, but like, she's got like dirt all over her face. Like that just doesn't happen. Like you, they had running water, like, or they had like a river. Like they can like, 
They have like, they have a well. They can clean themselves. Like it's not like she's gonna have like mud all over her face and like that's the norm. Dude, you um, know, there's my, this my favorite trope in these movies what? is is like uh, when they're hanging out in ruins, like at the time when those yeah. weren't ruins. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just like hanging. It's like chilling. It's like what what, what are those? Like what are you doing? <laughs> there's an even ancient Earth civilization. <laughs> yeah. But uh, there's also this great scene where they're like crossing. It's like a it's like a montage like getting to Rochester Castle scene. They cross this river and like there's this guy hanging out like by the bridge with like a pet otter. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, like, fucking beastmaster. Like, it's like is that what they is that what they think was like going on? Like, they just got like pet otters. Anyway, um, but more specifically, uh. The, the the movie relies relies heavily on the idea that the that there were Knight Templars fighting in great numbers during the Baron Wars, and really I couldn't find a reliable source that supported this claim. And so what this means is that it's really possible that there were only that there were a few Templars fighting in the wars, but not nearly as many as the movie would have you seen. The, I mean, the movie like relies on like this is like the. This is like the the catalyst that gets the story going. Yeah. And I just I I looked and looked and I could not find a single reliable source that said anything about it. Well. Uh, yeah. There you go. I mean, this was at the time that was like fuck record keeping, but the Templars were agents of the church. The church did a decent job of record keeping. So I I I, I'm hesitant to believe that that actually was true. And another reason is the Templars were agents of the church. The reason that the Templars were created in the first place was to fight in the Crusades. And so I just can't believe that in large scale they would fight for something political. That just doesn't make sense to me. And also something that didn't have the blessing of the church itself. And I'll get into that a little bit. Um, but but that, that, that I, I call bullshit on that. Okay. Um... My second point is that even if there were a large number of Templars fighting the re- fighting for the rebels, John would have no reason to hate them because there was no real large-scale fighting that occurred before the Magna Carta was Magna Carta was signed. The movie movie gives the impression that there was large-scale fighting that happened directly before this, before the signing of the Magna Carta on June 15th, 1215, and this just isn't true. The rebels organized a large army and marched into London. But King John was still trying to pull his shit together and was trying to pull in mercenary troops uh, at this point. The real fighting occurred after the Magna Carta is signed later that year. And so, like I said, this really makes me doubt the Templars' involvement. I just, I just, I just can't believe that they would fight politically. And kind of the, the final flaw that's the biggest flaw, in my opinion, is the siege of Rochester Castle. Okay. So, in the, in the movie... John loses the siege of Rochester Castle. The French come and save the day. He runs off with his tail between his legs, and that's the end of of King John. In reality, Rochester Castle was a huge success for John. One of the one of the most notable ones in oh, the no. Baron War. Uh, so after si- after the signing of the Magna Carta, the rebel barons kind of knew that John would oppose it. They knew that John would not be cool with it. And in fact, there's a council that in the Magna Carta that says there's a council of barons that have to be uh, kind of be with John and be with the king and help advise him of issues. And the real barons knew that John would not be cool with this, so what they do is they stack the council with die-hard, like, rebel fans. 
like like it's yeah. like, like like people who are gonna gonna speak for the rebels and are not we're not gonna change their views and they just kind of knew that there was gonna be something some sort of conflict that was gonna come out of the magna carta being signed okay and so uh so, so pre- complete bullshit on the movie's part right okay. so so and, yeah and the movie makes it seem that john was the aggressor but preemptively robert fitz fitz walter who is the kind of the official unofficial leader of the rebel barons who's also i read somewhere that he was a knight's templar i don't know if that's necessarily true i haven't seen anything about that anyway he secretly held up in rochester castle uh so rochester castle was controlled by john pre magna carta being signed after the magna carta is signed john has to kind of reevaluate where his where his forces are and they pretty much abandon rochester castle out of any serious troops so Robert Fitzgerald, uh, sorry, Robert Fitzwalter goes with a large army. This is another thing that's different from the movie. With a large force, and they camp out in Rochester Castle and try to like keep it under the radar, try to have the ha, you know, try try to keep keep the surprise real. Gotcha. And like I said, the reason for this is is it strategically protected London and controlled the major supply lines surrounding the area. So John approaches Rochester because he knows he needs to take it. He knows that it's a very, very key castle. And as he approaches it, he burns down the major bridge leading to Rochester from London, which is really, really bad for the rebels in the castle because they were expecting to get resupplied and get reinforcements. So he burns down the bridge, and apparently there's this great scene uh, that actually happened where Robert Fitzwalter is f- trying to fight them back on the bridge and is pushed back and the bridge is burned down. Um, so they're not a- able to acquire reinforce- reinforcements, which is the huge first strike against them. But this next part is kind of where the movie actually gets things right, which is really, really cool. So John is able to take the city in part by building a mine underneath the city and then underneath the keep itself. Okay. He then he then cool. Yeah. He then takes forty live pigs, sends them down the tunnel to the end of the tunnel directly underneath the keep, locks them in there, and then sets the mine on fire. Fuck yes. The pig's fat, which burns at a very, very high temperature, caused one of the towers in the keep to completely collapse. Nice. And this actually happens in the movie. In the movie, they use this exact strategy to destroy the keep. And in the movie, this is where the uh, King John is able to invade the keep. However, in actuality, the rebels are able to still hold up in the fort. They're the, the King John's not able to get into the keep. So what they decide to do, and what is actually makes a lot more sense, is because winter was approaching, they just decide to wait it out and cut off supply lines and starve them out. And sure enough, the rebels surrender due to lack of supplies, and they were all put in prison. King John initially wanted to have them hung, but one of his his advisors said, hey, that's not a good idea, because that says precedent for people being hung in this war, and if you have to surrender, you're going to get hung. So he says, he decides to just put them in prison. And this is, uh, this is one of the biggest things that the movie just simply gets wrong. This is not the end of King John's reign. This is not the end of the war. This is the very beginning of the war. And and King John kind of keeps going on. He he's not doing well. He he does end up dying a year year later due to dysentery. But the movie suggests that he kind of dies in shambles and he's alone and like he's completely devastated. 
but he's still got some fight left in him when he dies. And so, so John never really has to retreat on the scale that we see in the movie. So that's obviously the biggest flaw of this movie. But I think, like I said, this movie does get some really interesting things right. Uh, it gets some of the tone right. It gets the, obviously the forty pigs being sent underneath the uh, the the keep is pretty interesting that they include that. Uh, the sieging of the keep was what was really interesting that how, how accurate the keep that. But there are some key plot moments that obviously they get completely wrong. Um, but I still think it's a movie worth seeing. I I, I enjoyed watching it. Uh, it's entertaining. The acting is pretty good. But but yeah, that's that's Ironclad. And there is a second one. I have not seen it, and I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> well, good shit. I want to watch it, so good scrolls on you. Thanks, good man. story? I don't know. But I don't know what to call these. <laughs> you say it's a popcorn-y movie, then? Just like a turn off oh, your brain? Oh, for sure, dude. Yeah, like, I, I like I like folded laundry and shit. Yeah. Is it on Netflix? Oh, yeah, yeah. Both of them are. For your viewing pleasure. Oh, dude, I might have to <laughs> do that shit. Do both of them. Yeah, back to back them. I can't believe I never heard of this movie. Oh yeah, dude, super unknown. Uh, super, super unknown. But I'm looking but, at it, and I like I've seen the cover somewhere. It, it's the main guy with like a sword and shit. But right. um, its tagline is "Blood will run," but there's a period after each word <laughs> and shit like Makes that no. drives me insane. Makes no fucking sense, dude. Blood will run like yeah get out of my face you fucking dumb also if you look up ironclad you get a bunch of boat pictures <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. because the ironclad boats why is it called ironclad are I'm they clad in iron yeah why is it called that why couldn't <laughs> they call it something way better than that iron that's boat. why i've never heard of this because it's called fucking ironclad oh dude i know it's like a really bad title I think it was just, like, the marketing. Like, so this is what I think happened. This is my, I think, this guy, Jonathan English. Okay. Who also, he wrote and directed this movie called Minotaur, which is oh, about a Minotaur. And it God. stars your friend and mine, Tom Hardy. Dude. And, and Tom like Hardy saying, is a Minotaur? No, he, he's not. I don't think he's the Minotaur. I don't know. Do Minotaurs bite you and you become Minotaurs? <laughs> I, think that's, I, think that's, I think that's strictly uh, Dracula's. Yeah. Dracula's. It's strictly Dracula, uh, but but I think he had a really good. S- well, yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess if we go into like like mythological shit, I wouldn't Dude, classify. I'm, it. I'm looking up this movie, and it doesn't have a released um, like gross, like how much money it made. It's just got a budget. It doesn't say <laughs> how much money it made. Like they won't release it. What Minotaur? No, Ironclad, sorry. Oh. Dude, I have oh, no it's, idea. It's not good. I had to go look for it. Oh, it's not good. <laughs> so I think this guy, Jonathan English, he had a idea in mind for a movie. He had a script. It was probably pretty good. And then he took it to, like, producers. And they were like, this is good, but let's make it, let's make it bloody. Let's okay. make it like let's make it like real sexy. And uh oh God. Yeah, and I think that's kinda what happened because there's there's parts that like you can tell the intent of the movie, and then there's parts where you're just like Yeah. 
I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. You think we should uh, wrap this guy up? Yeah, let's uh, let's put a, let's put a cork in this. We'll come back to it next week, I think. Okay. So, this was a great episode. I love movies. Steven and I both love movies. We love. We do like movies. Talking about movies. Um, quick shout out to our friends Greg and Lauren from Movie Date Night Podcast. If you've never yeah checked out the episode we did with them uh, on their podcast, go check that shit out. We watched a movie and we talked about it. Uh, yeah. So Steven and I love movies. Steven. Yeah. Next week time. Next time. <laughs> next week time. Next week time. What is our topic? Uh, I got an idea. Uh, yeah. Let's take a listener request. Somebody sent in an interesting topic, and it was uh, a really small country that made um, waves, you know, like in a historical sense. Okay. So, so like, you know, little guy showing up doing shit. I know, like it. I want to see your Liechtensteins. I want to see right. your Rhode Islands. Let's not say right. country. Let's say like small. No, I, li- I like that idea. So small, I guess, I mean, I small state. Yeah. Yeah. Let me look up the yeah. wording. Uh, I would say, I would say, I mean, I would say small, small state slash country slash slash province making a big impact. Yeah. Do we want to, do we want to do town? Uh, Yeah. So, okay. like, this was sent in by Antonin Yanushka. I think that's how you pronounce your name. I'm so sorry. Um, he said, how about small countries that made international waves? And Ooh. let's yeah. let's... We can... Just to make it a little more broad, we'll just say, like, small political, um, like, corporations, I guess. Small political entities like... Sure. Uh, like, states, cities, countries regions or whatever that made big waves where they were like very unexpected and like you know they did a lot so there you go that's that sounds like a good topic for next time awesome yeah that sounds great uh yeah that's an awesome idea i think that's something that's kind of something we haven't really done before yeah let's Um, go for it awesome i'm excited for that cool all right dave so before we go real quick i gotta do my thing Oh God! I know. Do it know. quick. Do it quick. I know. We're kind of running on fumes here, huh? <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> so if you want to reach out to us, which I very much encourage that you do, we are on uh, Facebook. Just type in Bad History Cast. You can find us there. Twitter at Bad History Cast. Email Bad History Podcast at Gmail dot com. We are on Podbean. Bad History podcast.podbean.com iTunes, search for Bad History uh, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff uh, we are on Stitcher, we're on TuneIn Radio, we're on Google Play Music uh, yeah, we're all over all over the directories <laughs> the directories are just loving us, Dave nice uh, but, but, but yeah, if you can find us anywhere on there I highly encourage that you, uh, you guys do and let us know what you think about the show we love hearing things from listeners. We love hearing, uh, even if it's criticism. We love Especially hearing it. Especially if it's criticism. Especially if it's criticism. We don't criticism. know what the fuck we're doing here. Still salty, that guy that left us a one-star review didn't leave an actual fucking review. But, it was you me. Know. Here's my review. The show fucking sucks. You don't Dave's get an, an asshole. <laughs> you, you don't get an opinion. You work here. I don't... Oh. All right, let's end the show.
Let's get out of here. Uh, everybody, for listening, thanks so much. We'll be back next time. Um, so to all you guys, happy history and good scrolls. See you later.